You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here today, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. Got a look at the Fantasy Baseball Stockwatch. Two-star pitcher article will be up tomorrow. Dr. Roto has an article on five players you may want to refrain from trading. Sean Childs has a look at top five quarterbacks for the NFL draft. And, of course, we have articles looking at some of the top running backs, tight ends, receivers for the draft. And you could also jump in a startup dynasty league today, playffwc.com. There's different price points, 75 bucks, 150 a thousand two ninety nine, and once the leagues fill, the draft will take off. So there's six spots left in the seventy five dollars startup. So once that fills, uh, the slow draft will begin. So check it out, playffwc.com. Uh, some quick news here before we bring in Frank Stanfield. Max Scherzer's next scheduled start has been pushed back from Saturday to Sunday. He's still a little bit sore after he was hit in the right ankle by a line drive against the Mets on Sunday. So Anibal Sanchez will move up to start on Saturday. Scherzer moved to Sunday. And Mike Trout has been ruled out for the weekend series against the Cubs as he had an exam today, and it showed a reduced amount of swelling in the right groin of Mike Trout. He's going to stay in Anaheim and get reevaluated on Sunday, and then we'll see if he joins the team Monday in Texas. So the Angels game already started today, so... If you played in the NFBC, hopefully you removed them from the weekend lineup. Joining me now is Frank Stample, FNTSY. Frank, what's up? Ronis, what's up, man? Happy Friday. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Not feeling great today, but you know what we do here? We just power through it, right? That's absolutely right. What's going on with you? You had a rough Thursday night? Why don't, why don't, no, not even, man. Just, I don't know, not feeling, feel uh, like sore throat and body is crazy sore i don't know if it's from playing softball again i played softball last sunday for the first time since july it's probably that jersey air i don't think that's it (laughs) i mean you you've crossed over in a jersey you've come hung out here i mean it's not that much different come on yeah and every time i come back feeling terribly yeah that's because you realize (laughs) you could be living in a better situation as far as real estate that's all. Well, if you Not hook me it, up, hook me up. Come on, Ronis. What do you me, want me to hook you up get with? Get me in your fancy, uh, your fancy penthouse that you live in. I don't live in a penthouse. Don't get it <laughs> twisted, man. <laughs> it's, it's nice, but it's not a penthouse. Uh, but I wanted to talk uh, some basketball and baseball with you. Let's start it off with basketball as the playoffs begin tomorrow. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, but some disturbing news here on Joel Embiid is, you know, he's not feeling right right now. We don't know if he's even going to play tomorrow in game one against Brooklyn, I mean, he said, I have no idea. So we see this with Embiid, I think, all the time. He winds up playing. Do they need Embiid to win this series against Brooklyn? Yeah, uh, I think they do. I think they do. I think uh, I think the Brooklyn Nets, the way that they match up uh, is very well. Uh, I think they have a coaching advantage here as well with uh, Kenny Atkinson going up against Brett Brown. We saw Brett Brown was uh, outcoached last year by Brad Stevens in the playoffs. I could see something like that playing out again here. I, I do think that they need Joel Embiid. Uh, we'll see if he plays, see if he's good to go. Um, but obviously, you know, they make the trades to get Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris so that, you know, if anything like this were to happen, at least they have – you know, they have the stars in place. You know, if anything were to happen to him, you know, Tobias Harris is a guy that could step up and score 25 points on a given night. Same thing with Jimmy Butler, uh, Ben Simmons. It kind of feels like his head is always all over the place. But 
Uh, to be honest, I think that the Brooklyn Nets match up well against them, and uh, I do think that they need Joel Embiid in order to win this series. I love watching the Brooklyn Nets. I've said it all year. They're a fun team. D'Angelo Russell's been well. They are very well coached. I was glad they made the playoffs. I caught a lot of their games, and you know they, they're just an exciting team to watch, and they don't have the elite superstar, but I think Russell's really stepped up, and I really like watching the Brooklyn Nets, and I know they're not a championship-caliber team, but they're one of the teams where, you know, people who criticize the NBA, like, oh, we know who's going to win. I point to the Nets as one of those teams. They're a fun team to watch on a daily basis. Yeah, they definitely are. And, you know, they might be one piece away from, you know, if they can pick up a superstar in the offseason, a Kevin Durant, uh, maybe even a Jimmy Butler. I don't know if you put him in the superstar category. But if they pick up one of these guys to add to the core that they already have and the coaching, obviously, look, they have D'Angelo Russell, as you mentioned. He's a budding superstar. He's getting better every single year. I think Karis LeVert has star potential, maybe not superstar, but I think he can be a legitimate two-way player in the NBA. And they have rim protection and Jared Allen and Ed Davis comes off the bench and he gives them good minutes and they have good shooting from the outside, obviously, with Joe Harris. So I think all the pieces are in place. Again, they probably need another star or even superstar level player to, to put, push them over the hump. But I'm with you. I, you know, I, I'm a Knicks fan, but I'm not like a Brooklyn Nets hater by any means. I'm happy that they made the playoffs uh, because I do like D'Angelo Russell. So uh, I'm happy for him. He's taken all the necessary steps to get better every single season in the NBA. Can they get that superstar player there when you have the Lakers, the Clippers, and these other teams with openings, where more, even the Knicks with more alluring spots? Can they get that player to come there? It's a good question. They probably can't get one of the superstars like Durant. You know, they're not going to trade for Anthony Davis, obviously. But can they be in play for a Tobias Harris? Uh, I'm not sure Kemba Walker is even a fit there either because they obviously have D'Angelo Russell. But maybe like a Tobias Harris, a Chris Middleton type, like a secondary star type of player. I think they could do that. Uh, but, yeah, with Kevin Durant, someone like uh, Kyrie Irving, I don't think that they'll be in play for those. So I, I think it's a good question. Look, the other markets – the Knicks seem like they're going to be in play, obviously. The Lakers, um, so competing against them, probably not for a superstar, but can they get a second-level tier star player? I think they can. Talking to Frank Stample, FNTSY, you know, Embiid's going to be interesting for fantasy next year because when he plays, he's clearly a top-10 guy. But he keeps missing games. And where do you draft him next year? Like, if you're at the end of round one in a 12-team league, do you take the shot there or – are you just worried about missing games? And you're someone who was kind of burned by the Anthony Davis situation. And again, you made the right call. It just didn't work out. But with Embiid, we know going in, more than likely, you know, what's the ceiling for him to play? 70 games? 65? Is that someone that you want to take at the end of the first round? Or do you say, you know what, when he does play, I'm going to get great stats. I'll take the shot. You know, how do you, I know it's early, but your preliminary thoughts on Embiid next year. Yeah, me personally, I probably wouldn't draft him just because I like to be as risk-averse as possible in the early rounds, which kind of sounds crazy considering the fact that I dra drafted Anthony Davis this year in the league that we but that was the together. right call, though. Yeah, and, and look, we play in a league where we count double-doubles, so it makes sense, like Anthony Davis, and he had been healthier the past couple of seasons. Obviously, nobody predicted you know, this whole trade situation and sitting out games late in the year and the minutes restriction. No one could have predicted that with Anthony Davis, but for the most part, he actually stayed healthy this year. It was just everything else that was going on around him. I like to have safety early on in my drafts, and... As good as Joel Embiid is, I have to agree with you. Look, he played 64 games this year. It seems like he's probably going to be in that range once again. 
that's probably his ceiling, as you mentioned. And so if that's his ceiling, what's the floor, right? Like half the games in the season. So it's just as good as he is, I think it's too much risk. And it sucks because he's so much fun to watch. Uh, Like he could do it offensively. He could do it defensively. You know, scoring almost 30 points a game. He's added the three-point shot to his arsenal, almost 14 rebounds. Like, he does everything you can possibly ask him. Doesn't kill your percentages, 80% over over, over 80% for free throws. It's just me personally. I would like to take someone safer, someone who I know is going to play. Like, Jokic played 80 games this year. Um, Giannis, you know, he's going to play. Harden. Uh, These are all, like, the mid- to first-round guys. He'll go in the first round, but me personally, I probably won't be the one to draft him. Do you see any upsets happening in the first round in the Eastern Conference? Well, I, I think Brooklyn could potentially be one. I have that series. I did the bracket challenge over at NBA.com. You could play for free. Uh, I have that series going seven. So if you tell me Embiid misses two or three games, then, yeah, maybe maybe the Brooklyn Nets can actually squeak that out. Other than that, like, I think Orlando's playing with house money, so – they're a little dangerous, but I don't think they can realistically beat Toronto. Same thing goes for the Pacers. Like, just losing Oladipo, they don't have enough star power. And I actually have the Bucks sweeping the Pistons. So, really, it, it's that Nets and 76ers series that I think has the most upset potential. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the semis in the Eastern Conference. I think we probably get better basketball in the first round for the Western Conference. Do you see any potential upsets there? Yeah, I think the Nuggets and the Spurs is an interesting one as well. I've said this all year long uh, regarding Mike Malone and the Nuggets. They haven't necessarily won big games when they were expected to do so. Obviously, have a lot of youth on their side. So it's the youth. It's Mike Malone. It's a lot of the young players on the Nuggets going up against the experience of guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Greg Popovich. And obviously, DeMar DeRozan has been here before in the Eastern Conference with the Raptors. So I think there's potential there. I still have the Nuggets winning it in seven. Uh, I think the obvious one is OKC going up against Portland. I don't think that's an upset. I'm picking the Thunder to win. Well, well, the Thunder are the sixth seed right now. Going, I up- know that, but I, I okay by seed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. But, yeah, but I, do you really think that's an upset if the Thunder win? I know they're four and zero against them this year, and yeah. the seedings were tight in the Western Conference. Yeah, so if, just based on the seeding, I guess it's an upset. But they're probably favored, like in terms of. Uh, like whatever the Vegas odds are. They're not so. in game one, though. I mean, I know it's one game, but yeah. I, I haven't seen the odds for this series. I, I, you know what? That's interesting. I need to check that out. But I Paul George think, is uh, actually day-to-day now dealing with a shoulder injury, so I guess you got to yeah. pay attention to that. He's kind of been banged up in the second half. I really liked what the, uh, what the Thunder were doing in the first half. They were playing lights out. I actually thought that they could give the Warriors a run for their money, but then in the second half, for whatever reason, whether it was Paul George being banged up here and there, they hit a wall. They hit a wall in the second half. I, I still don't think it'll be enough uh, for them to lose against the Portland Trailblazers just because the, Bla- the Blazers lost Nurkic, and that's a huge loss for them. And Ennis Cantor is a fine offensive player, but he's not going to be able to replace what Nurkic gives them. And outside of Lillard and McCollum's kind of banged up too, it's, I just don't think they have enough. So I think OKC takes that one uh, there. Outside of that, uh, no, I have Houston beating the Jazz. Obviously Golden State beating the Clippers too. You do against the Clippers? You think they win? Yeah, I know. It's so crazy, right? Damn. Uh, but I do agree. On the, the Nuggets, I don't know. They had, they didn't play well in the second half. And maybe it's because of personal experience where I had money on them. Two games, one against Detroit. And I think they were up 27 at the end of the first half. They scored like 22 points in the second half. That's what I'm talking did, about, though. They, they don't, did they that again show, in a recent game. They haven't showed up. in Like when they were supposed to deliver at times this year, they didn't. Like, they laid a lot of duds this year, so that's why I'm kind of worried about the Denver Nuggets. I think there's a chance that they could actually be upset here. I have this series going seven games, but I have the Nuggets winning, but I have the Nuggets losing to OKC in the second round. 
I don't think they yeah. get past the Thunder. I don't think they do either, and, and I agree. I could see them losing in the first round. I mean, you're talking about Popovich on the other side, and you got DeRozan, and you got Aldridge. I mean, the Spurs were a very inconsistent team, too. They had a really nice hot streak where they were playing well, but I could see them, especially if they can get one game in Denver, because the one thing is it is very difficult to, to play in Denver. Yeah, I think, it, look, it was a great job by Popovich this year. Obviously doesn't have any of the uh, the usual um, suspects from years past for his San Antonio Spurs squads. But, look, Derek White took a huge step forward this year. I think that was a good uh, good job by Popovich coaching him up. Bryn Forbes played well this season as well. So, uh, you know, they have guys that surround uh, DeRozan and Aldridge that can shoot from the outside too. Like, this wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the Spurs upset the, uh, the Nuggets here in the first round. I, I think it's a very close series actually. Yeah, I think so, too. Who do you have coming out of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, so very chalky picks. I have the Milwaukee Bucks, but again, I think it's going to be close because they got upset last year. Well, they didn't get upset, but they lost to the Boston Celtics last year, and that was without Kyrie Irving. Um, And I think that's going to be a close series, too, uh, assuming that Boston beats Indiana in the first round, which I do. But I I have the, the Bucks and the Celtics going seven games in the second round. So I think it's going to be a tough series. And then obviously they have to get to, through the Raptors too. I'll go as far as to say I think the Bucks going up against the Celtics is tougher for them than going up against the Raptors for whatever reason. I, I just I feel that way. I, I feel like the coaching of Brad Stevens, it's not a knock on Nick Nurse, but I just feel like at this time of the year, it's you know Brad Stevens and the Celtics show up. Everyone wanted to doubt the Celtics last year without Kyrie Irving, and all they did was win. So I think it's going to be a really tough series for the Bucs to, be- to get past the Celtics. And obviously they have the Raptors too, but I do have the Bucs making it out of the East. I think the Raptors could be dangerous. You know, everyone points to their history, but they have Kawhi Leonard on the team right now. And he set out quite a bit this year. His body's got to be fresh. We know what he can do in the postseason. And there will be no back-to-backs. So I think the Raptors are a dangerous team. Everyone's looking at their history, but this is a different team. This is Kawhi Leonard's team. Yeah, I do agree. You can't just look at the history when it comes to the Raptors. Maybe you can look at uh, Kyle Lowry, who usually slows down here in the playoffs and doesn't necessarily show up, but they do have a better roster than in years past. Like Kawhi Leonard is better than DeMar DeRozan all around. He's just a better player, better defender, obviously. And then the improvements that Pascal Siakam made this year, you know, probably the most improved player in the NBA. And then they trade for Marcus Gasol, so they do have a good roster in place. I, I don't think it would be a good series. I don't think it would be an easy series by any means for the uh, Bucks either, going up against the Raptors. But I just see you know, the Bucks have the best player in the Eastern Conference right now. That's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He might win the MVP. He might have been the best player in the NBA this entire season. Uh, and then they surround him with a ton of, a ton of talent as well. Hopefully they get Miritich healthy. Um, but overall, I do think that the the Bucks pull it out in the Eastern Conference. Can anyone knock off Golden State in the Western Conference, or does a team in the East have the better shot? No, and no. <laughs> just you know, to be honest, I just I think the Rockets probably have the best shot uh, if they beat the Jazz in the first round, which I expect they'll go up against Golden State in the in the second round. That would be a great series. I do uh, I do believe that if Chris Paul was healthy last year, they would have beat the Golden State Warriors. So I think they have a shot, but. Last year's Warriors versus this year's Warriors, they have DeMarcus Cousins now too, so it's just another piece that you have to worry about. Personally, I, I don't think that anyone in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, like I have the Warriors winning it all. Uh, I don't think anyone is going to be able to do it, but I do think the Rockets probably pose the best threat to the Warriors. Yeah, and the West for sure. And the one thing about Golden State this year is when they've needed to win, they have. Remember the games against Denver? Uh, I just don't think they cared about the regular season that much. 
Yeah, that's fair to say. Like, why would they, too? It's like they've been here before. They know that it's likely that everyone from this team, well, not everyone, but most of the players could disperse. I mean, we could get DeMarcus Cousins on a new team next year, Durant. So this is kind of like their last go at it. They're not worried about the regular season. They're worried about now. No, that is definitely true. And I think it will be a fun NBA playoffs. I know people like to say, well, Golden State's going to win. Doesn't mean we can't get good games. We're going to keep Frank around. When we return, we're going to talk baseball with him. It is the Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy. Shane Bieber, on the other hand, was great. As you mentioned, the Indians need him to be great with everything that's going on with Mike Clevenger. He's lowered his fastball usage by 11% and upped his slider usage by 11%. His slider is a very good pitch. I believe Bieber and his two starts face the Tigers and the Blue Jays, right? Good, very good matchup. Good to see him taking advantage of matchups that he should be doing. That was part of the reason you like Shane Bieber and all these Indian starters because they played in that AL Central. And we thought the matchups would be good, and they were. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here on a Friday afternoon, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. Check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. We got you covered. Football, Dynasty, Fantasy Baseball as well, including scoutdfs.com. I'm joined by Frank Stample, FNTSY. We talked some basketball in the first segment. Now we'll shift our attention to baseball and Frank, it's been a rough season with injuries so far. Gary Sanchez landing on the DL today. We find out Mike Trout's out for the entire weekend, not going on the IL just yet. But I got to assume injuries have uh, played a big part in the start for your teams as well. Correct? Yeah, definitely. I have a home league team where I have Andujar, I have Stanton, I have Daniel Murphy. I was stashing Gregory Polanco because it's a keeper league. Uh, also in the main event, I have Daniel Murphy too. So that one sucked. I, I, look, if you've made it this far without an injury, just thank your lucky stars, man. Because even with Sanchez today, and you mentioned Mike Trout, like every single day something's going on here, Ronis. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, in Tout Wars, I got my entire infield on the injured list, including my backup third baseman. Uh, I, my homing, I was fortunate. I had no injuries, and then I just lost Clevenger and Ryu. So I think everyone has been strict everywhere. The worst part is is the weekly leagues where the injuries happen Monday after lineup lock or the announcement comes, and then you're stuck with the week. Like in our GDD league, I have Clevenger and Dahl in the lineup this week because, you know, number one, I didn't have another outfield to replace Dahl with. And with Clevenger, wasn't sure at the time. And, you know, I'm going to take the chance and hope that he makes that second that start for the week. And obviously, uh, the injury was much worse than we thought. So it, it's really worse in the weekly league, especially where you can't make lineup changes on Friday. Yeah, definitely. I remember this happened to us in GST a couple of weeks ago with the Stanton injury. It comes out. We were, we were hoping it was an April Fool's joke because it was April 1st. We don't have a backup outfielder on our team. It just so happens we have to leave uh, Stanton in our lineup for the entire week just because... Well, you know, we didn't anticipate him getting hurt. We didn't even know anything about it, so we didn't have a backup outfielder in place. Yeah, definitely, definitely sucks for these uh, for these weekly leagues. Yeah, the only thing is, I think so many teams have been hurt by the injuries, and obviously some more than others. But everyone is kind of dealing with this situation, and you just kind of have to persevere. It's easy to get sad and down. You just gotta keep trying to make adjustments and adding players, making trades if you're in a league with trades. Because a lot of other teams are in similar situations, too. Yeah, don't just give up, too. And I know there's been a lot of starting pitcher injuries, obviously, with Clevenger and Severino gets the uh, uh, gets pushed back here. But, uh, you know, there's actually a, there's a lot of uh, free agents available, too, like guys that are stepping up, a lot of starting pitchers out there. So uh, I agree with you. Look, just don't give up. Um, it's easy to kind of get down on yourself, especially in a roto league, if you start off and you're in last place and, you know, it feels like it's impossible to get out of, like – we're at the time in the season, we were talking about this today on BFS, where, you know, if, you have a, if a player has a four-hit game, they can raise their batting average by, like, 50, 100 points. So it, it's still early. Like, don't, don't give up if your players are slumping or if you, got, if you have guys that are hurt. Things can change very quickly this early on in the season. Yeah, I'd rather be towards the bottom of the standings now and first at the end of the year. Like, the standings mean nothing now. And, like, people will tweet out stuff and brag. It's like, it means absolutely nothing now. So does that is that true in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational where you have 100 more points scored than me right now in Roto? <laughs> no have, way, 100 one, more than you? You have 132. I'm in last with 31. Yeah, no, it still means nothing. I'm actually first overall. Really? Look yeah, at that. It, but sucks because it's April, man. Yeah, Who cares? Every, everyone gets mean lucky now and then. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> honestly, I honestly I did not. I thought the team was good, but not great. I told we discussed this. That league was very difficult. I mean, the NFBCs are always difficult, and I'm in a couple of those, and you know that. You're in the main event. I'm in the NFBC auction, and I did a NFBC online league, and those are difficult too. But, man, that draft was so draining because, like, everyone I wanted was, like, sniped right away. So I looked at that team, and I'm like, mm, okay, it's not bad. That's, and I've been hit by injuries in that league too. I haven't had Aaron Hicks. I drafted Jesus Lazardo probably a little too early, obviously. I lost Mike Clevenger, which is really going to hurt me. I have Alex Bregman. I don't know if he's going to play. And if he goes on the deal, it's a hamstring injury. Almost any time you have a hamstring injury, you usually wind up on the injury list. So I've been staying afloat, but it's not going to last number one overall in that league with those injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And, and remember, we drafted early. This this draft started around mid-February. February 24th. Yeah, so we, you know, mid to late February we started this draft. And, you know, I take Walker Bueller before all the news comes out, uh, you know, about him having the dead arm in spring training. So then I was worried. He's my ace, and he's got off to a terrible start. Same thing with Paxton. So those are my top two starting pitchers. 
And then I have, you know, Jose Ramirez, who's been brutal, and Jesus Aguilar. And look, are these guys going to hit under 200 for the entire season? I hope not. I don't think they will. So it's the law of averages, right? You leave these guys in your lineup, and eventually they're going to pick it up. But, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have asked for my team to start any worse than what they have. It's, it's, it's been bad. I, I, I've got nothing. I wrote about Jesus Aguiar the other day, and a lot of the underlying numbers are fine. To me, there's one concern with Aguiar, and that's playing time. Because they do have Eric Thames, so they could easily make a change. What is your outlook on Aguiar right now? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I looked into him as well. Obviously, I own him in a few locations, and you know he's, he's making more contact this year. He's cut down the strikeout rate, still hitting the ball hard, still putting the ball in the air. I do agree with you, though. The biggest issue is if he continues to struggle – why can't Eric Thames do to Aguilar what Aguilar did to Eric Thames last year, right? So basically steal his job. So I do worry about that. If he continues to hit under 200 and we're a month into the season, who's to say that they don't start giving Eric Thames even more playing time? So I think, I think we're, we're in a similar spot right here. Uh, I looked at the underlying numbers. I think the batted ball data, a lot of it is still very good. And the fact that he's not striking out and he's actually walking more, he's making contact, I, I, I think – that he's going to come around. It's just, are the Brewers going to be patient enough for that to happen, or do they start to give more playing time away to Eric Thames? If I play in a deep league like this, if Eric Thames is available, I'm trying to pick him up to make sure that I have both of these guys in case that happens. Yeah, and we know if Thames gets the opportunity uh, that he can obviously put up elite power numbers. My guess is Aguiar is back in the lineup tonight. They gave him off Wednesday, uh, and they are facing a lefty tonight, Julio Urias. So I would think that Aguiar is in the lineup tonight. Talking to Frank Stample of FNTSY. Obviously, everyone's talking about Chris Sale. Uh, do you have any Chris Sale? And what's your concern level on, on Chris Sale after that last start in Toronto? So I actually have Chris Sale in the league that matters most and in my main event league, Ronis. And I, I got him in the you second You took him round. in the first round? I took him in the second round. So he fell. Okay. He fell to me, and that's why I felt like I couldn't pass up on him. I believe I had 12th pick, so in the first round I take Aaron Judge. And then in the second round uh, I was debating between Chris Sale and Garrett Cole. And it's very easy to kind of kick yourself this early in the season. It's only three starts, but I think that we have enough worry on Chris Sale where you can kind of be worried. Like, you can kind of kick yourself about it at this point because I was going back and forth. I wanted to take Cole, but playing for an overall in the NFBC main event, I'm telling myself – if they both play at their best, Chris Sale is better. He has more upside. So that's ultimately the reason why I went with him. But you know, there were a lot of concerns back to last year with the, uh, with the shoulder issues, the end of the season, the velocity being down. And right now, the other day, I know, you know the line didn't look good, but at least the velocity is up. So I see, I see that as an encouraging start. It's trending in the right direction. Uh, his average fastball velocity was below 90 miles per hour in that second start. It comes out afterwards. They're blaming it on him being sick, having the flu or something. I don't buy that one bit. I actually you know, I think that's just some kind of fugazi excuse that they came up with. And then the second start the other day, he's up over 92 miles per hour on average, and he maxed out around 95. So I feel a little bit better about him now. I wouldn't be surprised if they put him on the IL for a couple of weeks just for him to kind of like – you know, get right or go, you know, do some rehab starts and build up his confidence and, and build up his velocity again. I do think it's going to get better. Um, I'm still worried, obviously, but I took the last start as the velocity being up as encouraging. You know, it's interesting because you play in a multiple leagues like myself. And do you have the mentality of saying, you know what, I already have a few shares of this guy. I'm going to back off in this draft and go somewhere else or if you believe in that player, you'll pile it up. Like, I'll give you an example. In, in our GST league, 
I had to make a decision. I'm like, okay, Luis Castillo or Eduardo Rodriguez. I took Luis Castillo in Tout Wars. I took Luis Castillo in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I liked Eduardo Rodriguez, and I didn't have any shares. So I said, all right, I'll go Rodriguez. Now I look back, I'm like, I should have stuck with Castillo. I liked him for a reason, but I think we get into this mentality like, oh, well, what if this guy gets hurt? And you could be saying that about a multitude of players right now. Uh, I think, obviously, in the first couple rounds, we tend to spread around. But guys later in drafts, should we stick with the guy if we believe in, or do you tend to you know, spread it around a little bit too? I think you said it exactly right in that the early rounds, I'm probably more likely to diversify my teams and go different directions. But, you know, if there's guys that I like that are going later on, like Austin Meadows was a guy I was trying to get everywhere. And so far it's worked out. Uh, I'm not doing any victory, victory laps regarding him yet, uh, but he's looked good so far. So I, I Ooh, tried breaking to get... news on Austin Meadows right now. Oh, not no, good. don't do that. Ronis. Just kidding. <laughs> I, have, I have him in a couple. I have him in the NFC auction in the tower. So, yeah, I need him to stay strong. <laughs> so I think I think in deeper leagues, uh, I'm more likely to just get my guys. Um, regarding Luis Castillo versus Water Rodriguez, that's those are kind of like the middle rounds. So I can still see, you know, if you want to diversify, you have too many shares of Castillo already. And, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because, yeah, as, as good as Luis Castillo has looked, well, if he goes on the next uh, five starts and he sucks, then you're going to, you know, you're going to feel bad that you have him in all these locations. So it's a long season. I understand, like, early on you might – kind of regret the fact that you took Eduardo Rodriguez over Luis Castillo. And I thank you for that because we took Luis Castillo with the next pick uh, in that draft, in the GST draft. But I think more so later on in the draft, uh, I just want to grab my guy. Like I'll, I'll, I'll grab whoever as many times as I can just because uh, th- that's a player that I really like. And Austin Meadows was one of them. It's all right. I got Tyler Glass now in the GST. So Yeah, how long is that going to last? Forever. He's winning the Cy Young. <laughs> this year's Blake Snell, right? <laughs> I hope so. I don't, not quite, but I hope so. Uh, how about a guy like Freddie Peralta? I mean, this guy strikes out 11 one outing, gets shelled in the next. Is this just what he is? Is he going to be inconsistent where, hey, he's going to have a, a great start here, and then he's going to have a bad start? Like, and when you know that, what do you do with a guy like Freddie Peralta? Oh, you don't own him. <laughs> That's what I would say. You don't own him. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I do own him. <laughs> uh, look, he just uses the fastball so much, man. And we said it last year, and we we thought, all right, coming into the year, he's got to make adjustments, right? Like, he'll start using the curveball more. He'll add a third pitch. No, he's actually using the fastball more this year than he was last year. It, like, last year, 77% fastball usage. This year, he's up to 80%. And it's not like it's a devastating fastball. It's a 91, 92-mile-per-hour fastball. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher. He just throws fastball and curveball. So he's going to be prone to, yeah, he'll have great starts. Uh, like he did against the Reds last week. 11 strikeouts, 8 innings. He was awesome. This week, when you need him to come through in a good matchup against the Angels, who are not really a great lineup outside of Mike Trout, uh, you expected him to show up, and he didn't. So that's the type of player that he is. In Roto... You'll take the end-of-season numbers, I guess. Like You'll take the good with the bad as long as, you know, if he can maintain a, a low four or below four ERA uh, with a strikeout per inning. Like, you'll take the good with the bad there, but he's going to be wildly inconsistent. If you play in head-to-head leagues where, you know, you kind of rely on consistency a little bit more, it's going to be a headache. I, I don't even know that I would want to own him in a head-to-head league where you need that consistency. He just works with the fastball too much. He, you know, he hasn't developed the curveball more and he doesn't have a third pitch. So I worry about him, especially pitching in Miller Park and against the National League Central. It's a tough division, man. I, I'm, I'm not a big Freddie Peralta guy. Talking to Frank Stample from FNTSY. Everyone loves Dan Vogelbach right now, almost as much as you love pancakes. 
<laughs> would you deal Vogelbach right now or shop him to see what you can get? Sure. I think you, you, you always shop guys who are outperforming what was expected of them just to see like what you can get in return. For example, I had a guy tweet me today that he traded Tyler Glass now away to get Chris Sale. I mean, that, that's just crazy. I mean, Chris Sale was a guy who was going in the first or second round. So if you could turn Dan Vogelbach into, you know, something much higher than what you expect rest of season for him, because I do have playing time concerns for him. The Mariners have been creative in finding ways to get – both him and Encarnacion and Jay Bruce in the lineup. They sat Malik Smith one day. They sit, uh, they sit uh, Domingo Santana one day as well. They sit Hanniger one day. So they're trying to find ways to get him in the lineup. And he hits the ball extremely hard. He hits the ball in the air. I saw Matt Modica make the comparison to Max Muncy on Twitter. I think it's a pretty good one. He's got an 18% walk rate to start the street uh, to, to start the season as well. So even if you play an OBP or points leagues, he's going to help you out with his plate discipline. There's a lot to like about Dan Vogelbach, but yes, to answer your question, I would try and shop him because if someone's willing to give you a legitimate, you know, top five, top ten first baseman in return for him, then yeah, I would take that. You said you have Walker Bueller. How concerned are you about him? Is this just a case of not really doing much in the spring and he's behind, or are there signs that you see that have you concerned that maybe he's not going to live up to that draft value? I do have concerns. I'm trying to look at it glass half full because obviously I own him in the great fantasy baseball invitational, but I have to be realistic with myself. I actually think it's kind of similar to Chris Sale. Both of these guys go as deep into the postseason as they do. They're pitching all the way into November. Uh, and for Walker Bueller specifically, a guy that takes a huge step up in innings pitched from one, one year to the next. I mean, in 2017, he was below 100. And then last year between the, the playoffs and the regular season, he was up around 180. So that's a huge jump for him. So I definitely have my concerns. The command hasn't been there. It's been terrible. Yesterday against the Cardinals, he was getting swinging strikes, but he was walking a ton of guys. He hit some batters. He walked in a few runs. He hasn't looked like himself. I would not be surprised one bit, especially playing for the Dodgers, if he lands on the injured list for you know a couple of weeks. Let him get right because he did start spring training later than everyone else, and they were talking about him with the dead arm. Uh, so, yeah, I do legitimately have concerns over Walker Bueller. It wouldn't surprise me if he lands on the IL here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, every Dodgers starter is going to spend time on the injured list this year. Uh, and we already have, you know, a few of them that have. Uh, Marcus Stroman is off to a really good start. Are you buying into it? Any changes you see that lead to optimism or just a, a good start to the season and nothing significant in the change for Stroman? So with Walk, uh, for Marcus Stroman, I think he just needed to show that he was healthy again. But he is, he is doing uh, a few things better this year. He's getting more swinging strikes, obviously. Uh, the velocity bounces back as well. Looking at the pitch usage, uh, he's throwing his slider a ton this year. He's throwing his slider 40% of the time. He's never been higher than 24% in a single season. So obviously throwing that slider a ton, and he gets a, ton, a lot of movement on that slider. Uh, still gets a, a ton of ground balls. I, I think for him, it's just a matter of staying healthy and limiting the walks. The, the, one of the biggest issues for him is that he walks too many guys and he can't mitigate that because he doesn't get enough strikeouts. So, yes, he'll get some ground balls, which turn into double plays, but he's got to be able to get more strikeouts when he walks as many guys as he does. And so far this year, given the swinging strike rate and the fact that his slider usage is up, uh, I am encouraged by what I've seen from Marcus Stroman. All right, let people know what you have going on. 
Yeah, you can listen to me right here on Fantasy Sports Network, weekdays, Monday to Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time with myself and Greg Sussman. Watch us on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page. You can subscribe to my Patreon as well. Uh, write about the waiver wire, two-star pitchers over there. Uh, write about you know swinging strike leaders from the night before. I give you stream uh, pitchers to stream for the next day. So got a lot going on, Ronis. All right, man. Hopefully I'll see you sometime soon. We'll hang out. Yeah, invite me to your penthouse in Jersey. Yeah, it's not a penthouse, but you're invited. Uh, just bring the alcohol, and we'll chill on the back. You balcony. let me know. I'll get you a nice little uh, pizza rock bottle. I know how much you love it. Yeah, there we go, Frank. Now you're talking. All right, that is Frank Stanfield, FNTSY. Thanks a lot, Frank. We'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Ronis. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll look at the game from the afternoon and lineups for tonight here on Scout Fantasy Sports. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to Fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at Fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to Fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to Fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to Fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's Fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. Rain dance. Make it rain. You look at the Jets, their skill positions are pretty much set. Obviously, Darnold is their quarterback. They like Robbie Anderson. They just signed Quincy Anunua to an extension. They got Crowder mm. for the slot. They have their running back room intact. Well, we talk about Ty Montgomery, Elijah McGuire as well. These are all guys who can do work out of the backfield. We're starting to see what the Jets are putting together here as far as the pieces around Sam Darnold, and it's actually looking pretty good. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on Friday afternoon. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. All the information you need to win your league. So come join us now. Have a look at the stock watch for the week for fantasy baseball. Some interesting buy low names. Uh, you got an article from Dr. Otto on five players you may want to refrain from trading. And, you know, we always talk about players that you want to trade for. Sometimes it's the ones you need to stick with as well. We got the closer and bullpen reports from Sean Childs. who will have a waiver wire article this week, and I'll have my two-star pitchers. And we get a look at the NFL draft. Sean Childs has top five quarterbacks for the draft. I take a look at five running backs. We got top five receivers and tight ends as well. Mock drafts from several writers, including myself. So tons of content there as well as scoutdfs.com. The MLB team is on fire. Also, 
If you want to hop in a dynasty draft, a startup, playffwc.com. we got different price points. Once these leagues fill, the slow draft will begin. So check it out, playffwc.com. Uh, dynasty leagues, tons of fun. There's trading and, of course, the draft uh, less than two weeks away. And uh, you'll finally find the home for those rookies. Tune in to Make It Rain with Joe Ranieri and Dean Martinez on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern as they start your mornings doing their best to get you addicted to sports wagering. Get all the sports wagering information you crave for NHL playoff games, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, and live 2019 Masters action. If you're able to watch the show and not just listen, catch the video feed live or on demand on the FNTSY Sports Network YouTube page or on your favorite OTT provider. It makes it rain on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network and FNTSY Sports Network YouTube page weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. One game going on right now. It is the Cubs at home leading the Angels in the bottom of the fifth inning. It is four to one in this game. Anthony Rizzo has gone yard for the Cubs, as well as Wilson Contreras. So Contreras off to a really good start for those that took a chance on him having a bounce back season. He disappointed last year. Uh, Contreras now has four home runs on the season. Rizzo is third, and Peter Bote with his first home run of the year for the Cubs. Cole Hamels five innings, three hits, one run, no walks, four Ks, sixty six pitches, forty four for strikes. The lone run coming on an Albert Pujols home run, his second of the year. Tyler Skaggs was removed after four as he was pinch hit for four innings, seven hits, four earned runs, no walks, seven Ks, but three home runs. So you like the Ks, but three home runs, not what you like to see there. So that game is in the bottom of the fifth with the Cubs leading the Angels four to one. So, uh, the other news from today, in case you're just joining us, is Mike Trout is going to miss the weekend series. He is in Anaheim. He was getting examined today. Apparently, he's seen improvement in the groin, but they are going to keep him out for the weekend series. There's a reduced amount of swelling in the right groin. He's going to be reevaluated on Sunday. And uh, I guess there's some snow in the forecast for Chicago, so it makes sense not to push him in any type of cold weather. So there's a possibility he joins the team Monday in Texas. So that's going to be a big decision for weekly owners. Hopefully we have more clarification on the news by then. And Max Scherzer, his next scheduled start has been pushed back from Saturday to Sunday. On Sunday, he took a line drive against the Mets uh, off his right ankle, and he's still a little bit sore. So they'll pitch Anibal Sanchez on Saturday, Max Scherzer on Sunday. So it really doesn't hurt anyone. He's still you know, gets the start and daily leagues, you can make the change accordingly and weekly leagues, you don't lose his start. And uh, Gary Sanchez placed on the injured list today with a calf injury. So I haven't seen the extent of it, how much time he's going to miss, but Gary Sanchez will miss uh, sometime for sure. Let's take a look at the lineups for tonight. The Pirates in Washington to take on the Nationals. Trevor Williams against Patrick Corbin. For the Pirates, Adam Frazier's at second base leading off. Starling Marte in center field inning second. Jung-Ho Gong at third base inning third. He's been terrible and goes to show you how bad the Pirates lineup is right now that a struggling Gong is hitting third in the lineup. Josh Bell's at first base hitting cleanup. Pablo Reyes in left field batting fifth. J.B. Shuck in right field hitting sixth. Stallings behind the plate as Francisco Severelli gets the night off. Batting seventh. Eric Gonzalez at short hitting eighth. And Williams on the mound hitting ninth. For the Nationals, Adam Eaton leading off in right field. 
Brian Dozier at second base, batting second. Anthony Rendon's at third base, hitting third. Juan Soto, cleanup in left field. Ryan Zimmerman's at first base, batting fifth. Jan Gomes is the catcher, hitting sixth. Wilmer Defoe at short, batting seventh. Patrick Corbin on the mound, batting eighth. And Victor Robles in center field, hitting ninth. The White Sox go to Yankee Stadium. Lucas Giolito against Jay Happ for the Sox, leading off Lurie Garcia in right field. The hot-hitting Tim Anderson at shortstop, batting second. Jose Abreu at first base, batting third. Yondo Alonso, the DH hitting cleanup. Yoan Moncada at third base, hitting fifth. Eloy Jimenez in left field, batting sixth. James McCann is the catcher, batting seventh. Jose Rondon is at second base, hitting eighth. And Adam Engel in center field, hitting ninth. For the Yankees, Brett Gardner in center field, leading off. Aaron Judge in right field, hitting second. Luke Voigt, the DH, batting third. Gleyber Torres at shortstop, hitting cleanup. Greg Bird at first base, hitting fifth. DJ LeMayu at second base, hitting sixth. Clint Frazier in left field, batting seventh. Gio Urshela at third base, hitting eighth. And Austin Romine is the catcher, hitting ninth. Who would have thought that would be the Yankees lineup in the middle of March? If I would have told you, hey, this is the Yankees lineup on April 12th, you would have said, no way. What the hell happened? But ton of injuries there for the Yankees right now. And, uh, you know, it's helpful guy like Torres. He's moved up. You know, one of the problems with Torres going into the years. Where he was going to bat, you know, I saw him hitting 7th, 8th, and I'm like, that's not great. But uh, as I've said also other times, you know, the lineups are fluid. They can change quite a bit. Uh, still waiting for Victor Robles to move up. So uh, we'll see if that happens at any point. But right now they're keeping him ninth. The Rays are in Toronto. Ryan Stanek, the opener against Trent Thornton, who's looked good so far. We'll see if he can continue against a solid Tampa Bay lineup. Austin Meadows leading off as the DH. Tommy Pham in left field batting second. G-Man Choi at first base inning third. Brandon Lau, the second baseman, cleanup. Yandy Diaz at third inning fifth. Kevin Kiermeyer in center field hitting sixth. Avisail Garcia in right field hitting seventh. Mike Zanino is the catcher hitting eighth. And Willie Adamas at short batting ninth. The Orioles are in Boston to take on the Red Sox. David Hess against Eduardo Rodriguez for the Orioles. Jonathan Villar at second base leading off. Joey Rickard in right field hitting second. The hot hitting Trey Mancini at first base batting third. Renato Nunez, the DH hitting cleanup. Dwight Smith, the left field, hitting fifth. Hanser Alberto at third base, hitting sixth. Jesus Sucre is the catcher, hitting seventh. Richie Martin at shortstop, hitting eighth. And Cedric Mullins on in center field, batting ninth. For the Red Sox, Andrew Benintendi in left field, leading off. Buki Betts in right field, hitting second. Mitch Moreland's at first base, hitting third. And he's performed well. We know he's going to sit against some lefties, but... He was available in a 15-team league for me last week. I did not get him, but uh, certainly I think you can use him with all of the injuries if he's going to hit third in this Red Sox lineup against righties. J.D. Martinez, the DH, hitting cleanup. Xander Bogarts at short, batting fifth. Rafael Devers at third base, hitting sixth. Eduardo Nunez at second base, hitting seventh. Jackie Bradley off to a really bad start. He's in center field, hitting eighth. And Christian Vasquez is the catcher, batting ninth. The Phillies are in Miami to take on the Marlins. And Jake Arrieta against Cindy Alcantara. Arietta's got to get some K's, man. That strikeout rate is low. I, I thought he might be a value this year, but he's not getting any strikeouts. So that's something I'm watching tonight against the Marlins. Got to see him get some K's and get some swings and misses. Otherwise, uh, could be trouble for him. For the Phillies, leading off Andrew McCutcheon in left field. Gene Segura is at shortstop, batting second. Bryce Harper in right field, hitting third. Reese Hoskins at first, hitting cleanup. JT Romito is the catcher, batting fifth. Odubel Herrera in center field, hitting sixth. Cesar Hernandez in second base, hitting seventh. Mikel Franco at third base, hitting eighth. And Jake Arrieta on the mound, hitting ninth for the Marlins. Curtis Granderson leading off in left field. 
Brian Anderson is the third baseman hitting second. Neil Walker's at first base batting third. Starlin Castro at second hitting cleanup. Jorge Alfaro at catcher batting fifth. Miguel Rojas at shortstop hitting sixth. Austin Dean, who was called up. Peter O'Brien was sent down, so Dean in right field batting seventh. Roselle Herrera in center field hitting eighth. And Alcantara on the mound hitting ninth. The Mets are in Atlanta to take on the Braves. Zach Wheeler against Kyle Wright. So Zach Wheeler's been terrible his first two starts. Couldn't find the strike zone. And both starts were against the Nationals. So uh, key for him here. Uh, some of his owners are definitely panicking. Uh, I would not. I do have him in a couple leagues, but uh want to see some improvement from him tonight. He is in a contract year. For the Mets, leading off, it is Jeff McNeil at third base today. So they drop Brandon Nimmo in the order. Nimmo has really struggled. He's striking out a ton. Uh, the bad part is he's missing pitches in the zone. So... Uh, makes sense. McNeil's been hitting well, so he's going to lead off playing third base. Ahmed Rosario moved up in the order as well. He is uh, at shortstop hitting second. Pete Alonso gets the day off. Uh, interesting. Guy's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, but Mets trying to get different guys in the lineup. So Rosario's been red hot. He had a nice home run yesterday. Drove in several runs, so he's at short hitting second. Robinson Cano's at second base hitting third. Michael Conforto in right field hitting cleanup. Wilson Ramos, the catcher, hitting fifth. Dominic Smith gets a start at first base. He's hitting sixth. Keon Broxton in center field hitting seventh. Brandon Nimmo in left field hitting eighth. And Zach Wheeler on the mound batting ninth. For the Braves, Ender Inciarte in center field leading off. Josh Donaldson at third base batting second. Freddie Freeman at first base hitting third. Ronald Acuna in left field hitting cleanup. Nick Marcakis in right field batting fifth. Dansby Swanson at short. Hitting sixth, Ozzy Albies at second base, hitting seventh. Tyler Flowers behind the plate, hitting eighth. And Kyle Wright on the mound, hitting ninth for the Braves. Mike Fires for the A's takes on Drew Smiley as the A's go to Texas to take on the Rangers. For the Rangers, leading off, Shinsu Chu is the DH. Rugnet Odor at second base, hitting second. Elvis Andrews at short, batting third. Nomar Mazzara in right field, hitting cleanup. Joey Gallo in left, hitting fifth. Estrubo Cabrera at third, hitting sixth. Logan Forsyth. At first base, hitting seventh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at catcher, hitting eighth, and Delano DeShields in right field, hitting ninth. Uh, this happened yesterday. Uh, Tigers, Twins were postponed, uh, so they're not playing tonight. Make sure you get those guys out of your lineup. Indians are in Kansas City. Carlos Carrasco against Brad Keller uh, here for the Royals leading off. It is Whit Merrifield at second base. He had that hitting streak snapped at 31 games the other day. Arabota Romandesi at short, hitting second. Alex Gordon in left field, hitting third. Jorge Soler is in right field, hitting cleanup. Ryan O'Hearn at first base, hitting fifth. Hunter Dozier at third base, hitting sixth. Lucas Dudas, the DH, hitting seventh. Martin Maldonado at catcher, hitting eighth. And Chris Owings in center field, hitting ninth. In case you missed it, Billy Hamilton crashed into the wall yesterday. He's got a knee injury. They're saying his day-to-day. It looked pretty bad, but apparently the initial diagnosis isn't too bad. So uh, that's why you don't see him in the lineup. Chris Paddock on the mound for the Padres is he and the Padres are in Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver's on the mound for the Diamondbacks. Jared Dyson leading off in center. Wilmer Flores at second base hitting second. David Peralta in left field hitting third. Adam Jones in right field hitting cleanup. Eduardo Escobar at third hitting fifth. Christian Walker at first base hitting sixth. He's really been struggling. You know, a lot of people spent tons of fab on him, and you understood why. He was getting the playing time, but he has uh, been struggling over the last week or so. Nick Ahmed at short, hitting seventh. Carson Kelly is the catcher, hitting eighth. And Luke Weaver on the mound, hitting ninth. The Astros in Seattle, Wade Miley off to a very good start this year against Wade LeBlanc as the Seattle Mariners have been on fire. We'll see what they can do this weekend against the Astros. 
Malik Smith leads off in center field. Mitch Hanegers in right, batting second. Domingo Santana in left field, hitting third. Edwin Encarnacion at first base, hitting cleanup. Jay Bruce is back in the lineup. He missed yesterday with the Achilles soreness. He's the DH, so Dan Vogelbach, who's been on fire, he sits today against the left-hander. Tim Beckham at short, hitting sixth. Ryan Healy's at third base, hitting seventh. Tom Murphy is the catcher, hitting eighth. And D. Gordon is at second base, hitting ninth uh, tonight as uh, the Mariners look to keep it going. Uh, they've been on fire. Uh, one of the best teams in baseball. They had a comeback yesterday as Brad Boxberger blew the save. It looked like a play that Billy Hamilton should have made. I don't know if he kind of lost it a little bit in the sun, but it went off his glove, and then he crashed into the wall, hitting his knee, and then had to be carted off. So uh, lots of problems there in that bullpen. Uh, the other games going on tonight, you got the Brewers and Dodgers. Corbin Burns against Julio Urias. Obviously, he sticks in the rotation with some of the injuries there, the Hinjin Ryu injury as he was on the injury list. Clayton Kershaw, originally we thought he might go Sunday. He is going to pitch on Monday, so he'll get a two-star week. And probably if you have Kershaw, you're going to get him in there. And I'll, I'll put the write-up up uh, on ScoutFantasySports.com. Uh, also, Mike fulton we thought he might go Sunday. The Braves have decided to get his pitch count up. I think he was in the 60s, so they want to see him get to 80 before they put him back in the rotation, so he will not pitch on Sunday. And they also had the rainout, so it pushes everyone back a day. So Fulton which might go potentially Saturday or Sunday. Uh, not this weekend, a week. So you might not get a two-star from Max Free. That's something to keep an eye on. Uh, and I'm not sure what the Braves are going to do there. And maybe it depends on what he does in his next start, but the they're going to have to make a determination on who to pull from the rotation when Fulton Awich is ready to go. So uh, Urias against Corbin Burns. Burns has been getting a ton of strikeouts, but he's a lot, a lot of home runs. And that's a Dodgers team that has been hitting a lot of home runs. Although Dodgers got hit with a couple of injuries yesterday. Max Muncy and Corey Seager both left the game early. So we'll see if they're in the lineup tonight. Seager with a hamstring. I didn't see what Muncy's injury was, so... Uh, they both could be out of the lineup tonight, so we'll see when the Dodgers lineup comes out. And the Rockies in San Francisco, Chad Bettis against Drew Pomerantz. Man, the Rockies just not hitting at all. They have been brutal on the road and, uh, you know, not the same team right now offensively. Obviously, they've had a lot of injuries with Daniel Murphy being out, Ryan McMahon, but Nolan Arenado's not hitting. He's not even hitting the ball hard. Uh, that's you know a first-round pick that everyone locked in. You know he got his big contract extension, so I wouldn't panic just yet. But we've seen the Rockies off to a terrible start offensively, and I don't think that's something that people were expecting at this point. Uh, Jed Lowry was, you know, tag uh, doing some things at less than full speed. It looks like Todd Frazier is getting close to a return. He could be back for the Mets sometime soon, and I just don't see how they play him much. Maybe at third base. Uh, you can make some man, but you can't take Pete Alonso out of the lineup. So I think Frazier becomes a part-time player, maybe get some time at third base uh, with J.D. Davis. You know, off to a pretty solid start, although he's made a couple shaky plays uh, defensively. Brandon Morrow is close to throwing live BP. He's been throwing off a mound for about a month, and he's ready to face hitters. And then after that, a rehab assignment could come. So the Cubs have not had a lot of opportunities to save games. They did get one yesterday, and Pedro Strope got the save. It was a good pitching duel with Joe Musgrove and Jose Quintana. Musgrove pitched very well, didn't allow an earned run. Both runs were unearned, and Quintana was dominant. And we'll see the Cubs right now lead 4-1 in the top of the sixth inning. So maybe we see another save situation today as uh, Cole Hamels 
pitching very well right now as he just got the final out of the sixth inning. So six innings, one run for Cole Hamels. Make sure you check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Got the fantasy baseball stock watch up. We got a look at some of the top skill position players for the draft. Sean Childs has looked at the top five quarterbacks. I'll have my two-start article for pitchers in the week ahead sometime tomorrow. Sean Childs will have his waiver wire article. Very important. Uh, you can get ahead of the curve, and he gives you some guys that usually might not blow up on the popular radar for a week or two, and that's very important in your competitive leagues. You can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums, and don't forget, Dynasty Startup Fantasy Football Draft. Sign up now. PlayFFWC.com. Once they fill, this whole draft will be underway, and we got six spots left in the $75 one, so check it out now. PlayFFWC.com. That wraps it up here. I hope you have a good weekend. I'll be back Monday afternoon 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.